it was simultaneously one of the most beautiful and most traumatic days of my entire life. From the context of the day, some of you might have already guessed, I am talking about the day that my beautiful daughter, Melody, was born and I got to become a mom. Um, she came into the world and she was crying and screaming and breathing and doing all of the things that babies are supposed to do right after delivery. And we had this beautiful, tender moment right after delivery where the doctor put her on my chest and I was holding her. And the poor thing, she had just had the hardest day of her life. And I, I was like, I'm mom, I've got to comfort you. So I was holding her head and patting it and saying, it's okay, baby, mommy's got you. I'm so proud of you, you did such a good job. We're gonna get through this together. It's gonna be okay. And one of the medical staff uh, kind of leaned over from in the midst of all the things that they do after delivery. And she goes, um, hon, you might wanna ease up on the head padding. Like, her little skull's been through a lot today. <laughs> And I was immediately devastated. I thought, oh no, here I've been a mom for 30 whole seconds. And I'm already messing this up. I might have given my child a traumatic brain injury with my mothering. Like, what am I going to do? Man, how in the world do I be mom? And I'm, I'm hearing some groaning and some head nodding in the audience. I'm guessing I am not the first parent to go through that process, right? So um, I've had the privilege of kind of researching and studying on this topic the last few weeks, and there's a couple of big things that I've taken away from what I've learned. One is that God is an amazing model of motherhood over and over again throughout Scripture. He gives us this pathway to say how we can mother other people. And then the second takeaway that I've had is that anyone can follow this model and be a mom, whether you have ankle biters at home still, or whether you know, they've flown away and the nest is empty. Maybe you're not even sure that parenting is in your future. That's okay. Even if you are a guy, you can still be mom, Yahweh style. All right. Happy Mother's Day, Dallas Church. My name is Joe, and I am so glad to be with you today here in person and online. Thank you for being here with us. I am one of the volunteers here at DC. I also happen to be married to one of our super staff. Pastor Andrew is my husband, and he's great. But I like to be known by my volunteer status because I serve on an amazing team of people who have a heart to care for others in their community. So that's me, DC volunteer. I am glad, though, today to get to be up front with all of you. We gather together every single Sunday to celebrate what Christ has done for us, and also to have a reset and a fresh start to our week. So in the spirit of that, I would like us all to take a deep breath together to reset. Let's breathe in and out. That feels good. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for how you care for us and nurture us and see to our needs. Help us to reflect these aspects of you in our daily lives and to care for those around us. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So over the course of this year, our church is going on a year-long trek through the book of Matthew. Starting in January, ending in December, we're taking a brief pause today to celebrate motherhood. So thank you for being here to celebrate moms with us today. Um, some of you might have thought as you were coming into church today, like, it's Mother's Day. It's going to be all about the ladies. There's going to be flowers. There's a photo booth, right? It's mostly women on the stage today. And that's true. Like, it's Mother's Day, so we are guns to celebrate the moms. And this message is for everyone, right? Like I said at the top, motherhood, when we're following the image of God, is something that both men and women can do. So let's begin at the beginning in the book of Genesis, right? Scripture talks about how God made humans. And in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Scripture is very specific about how God made man. That's the translation of humans in his image. And he made them male and female. So we're different, but both men and women are made to reflect the image of God into the world. Uh, when I think about this topic, uh, one thing comes to mind is this word that some scholars use called parity. And that word parity, it means equal responsibility, right? So there's equal responsibility between men and women. We were made in pairs for a reason to reflect God's image. And also, when I think of this vocabulary word image, it makes me think of a mirror. So there's the face of God being reflected by the people that he created. So most of us probably have not physically seen the face of God. If you have, please come talk to me in the lobby. I would love to hear that story and know what your experience was like. But for the most part, not one that most of us have had. But as we, um, as God's people, are following after him and following his commands and chasing after his heart, we start to reflect that image back at the world around us. So we might not have physically seen the face of God, but we have seen its reflection in godly people throughout our lives. Okay, so when I uh, was telling Andrew about this topic that I want to cover with you all, motherhood and the heart of God, he was like, okay, like you gotta be careful because this is like a whole doctoral dissertation worth of content and you got 20 to 30 minutes, girl. Like you gotta pare this down. So we're going to talk specifically about one attribute of God, his unconditional love that he reflects through his mothering behaviors throughout scripture. And we're going to talk about four ways that God models that motherhood for us. Um, for those of you who don't know me well, I am a teacher by trade. So when I speak to groups of people, I tend to do different things with my hands. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be using a little bit of ASL today to help myself remember where I am and then help the audience follow along with me as well. If you're a kinesthetic learner, you are welcome to do these motions with me throughout the message, but no pressure. So uh, first way that God reflects motherhood is through nurturing, nourishing, excuse me, nurturing, nourishing. This is ASL for feeding someone, nourish. He also comforts, this is a soothing hand gesture. He coaches. You can imagine your, uh, like your high school coach whispering in your ear, keep the eye on the ball, kid, you got this, you got it, right? And then the very last one, one of my favorites, is adopt. It's like he's picking people up and bringing them into the family. So let's start off with our first one, nourishing. 
So there is imagery all throughout scripture of God nourishing and caring for his people. There's actually a lot of nursing comparisons with God and the people that he cares for. In Isaiah 49, we get this picture saying, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will never forget you. And we have this image evoked for us, especially maybe those of us who have nursed before or lived with a nursing mom of this constant need and then constant fulfillment of that need. Now, there's, this is a little bit of hyperbole, right? Even these may forget you. I will never forget you. We all know nursing moms, they can't forget to feed the baby. Like, it's a biological need, right? So that is how much God cares for and nurtures his people and physical needs matter so much to God. We see that all throughout the story of scripture when the Israelites were wandering through the desert and didn't have a home, God provided manna for them to eat. And then in Matthew 14, we'll get a sermon on this in just a couple of weeks, Jesus takes compassion on this group of people that traveled far to hear him speak and listen to him all day, and they were hungry. Jesus had compassion and he fed 5,000 people with the ancient equivalent of a Lunchable. Pretty amazing. Right? So over and over again, we see physical needs matter to God, and he wants to fulfill those needs. That's how he's showing his love. And this is one way that I think Dallas Church really shines. Our church is passionate about fulfilling physical needs for others. We had a hygiene drive just recently, and it was like three weeks of everyone bringing in soaps and shampoos and floss and all of these things to help nurture our community. Um, another example is just this last Easter Sunday, Pearly fed the entire church breakfast burritos, and it was amazing. I got to be in the kitchen while she was doing that, and there was just trays and trays of food coming out of the oven, and she had this huge smile on her face, because I do believe that is her love language, is giving nourishment to the people around her. And remember, guys, this is not just for the ladies. There is parity, equal responsibility. I'm gonna call out a gentleman in our church who also has this gift, Jared Kornman, at our block party um, last summer, we invited the whole community in and he fed everyone his award-winning barbecue. And I don't know about you, but I feel closer to God when I eat that man's pulled pork. Yeah, it's a blessing. So great job, Dallas Church. Thank you for meeting the physical needs of the people in our community. And it doesn't stop there. Right? We're told in scripture that humans have kind of like this dual nature. There's more to us than just the physical. There is also a spiritual component. And Jesus calls this out. If you remember way back to Matthew chapter 4, talked about it in like February, January. Jesus was out fasting and praying in the desert and Satan came to tempt him. And one of the first things he hit him with was hunger. He said, man, You've been out here for a long time. You've got all this power. Just give yourself a snack. It's okay. And Jesus comes right back at him and says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He is reiterating how important it is to meet people's spiritual hunger needs as well as physical. Um, an example that I've gotten to experience this year in our church of nourishing spiritually is with Joyce Garland and my small group. I've been privileged to be in Bible study with them all year, and 
Joyce really sets a culture in that group of spiritually encouraging and motivating one another throughout the week, even when we're not together. So sometimes I will have a really rough day, not really any particular reason, it's just a hard day and I'm struggling and I'll open up my phone and there's a text from Joyce saying, hey, I've been thinking about you and I've been praying for you in these specific ways and I just hope that God blesses your day and you have a great rest of your week. And let me tell you, seeing that message, it fills me up spiritually and completely turns my day around. I can't tell you how many days have gotten better because I've gotten a word of encouragement from one of the ladies in that group. So the challenge in the next coming week, church, is to be thinking about who can we be nourishing spiritually? Who might benefit from an encouraging text or a prayer or maybe sharing a Bible verse? Sometimes verses get put on our hearts for us. Sometimes they get put on our heart to share with another heart that needs to hear it. So let's be thinking about and praying about who can we nourish spiritually this week. Another way that God models motherhood is by comforting those who are in distress. And we see this image in Isaiah 66 and throughout scripture. There's a picture of God as a mother comforting her child. And maybe some of you have had this experience like I did as a kid where we think that running to mom and dad is gonna make everything better. Like there is nothing that mom and dad cannot solve, right? Like when we're little like this. And I think of that image uh, when I read scriptures like this one. There is also a lot of imagery of God as like a mother bird gathering the little baby birds underneath the wing for protection. Um, I like to personally call this the mother hen, right? So uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed lately, but we've got a lot of chickens here in the city of Dallas. Uh, yeah, anybody? Like, <laughs> I haven't taken a poll, but I'm pretty sure like the chicken to human ratio is getting pretty close at this point, especially post-COVID. So a lot of us have this, um, this image, this live action picture of what it looks like for a mama bird to be like roosting and taking care of her young. And this can be like a warm and soothing and comforting picture. It can also be one of might and protection. So in Psalm 91, there's this image of God protecting the people of Israel like he is this huge mother bird that won't let anything get to them. There's imagery that talks about the shadows underneath his wings because they're so big and they're keeping everything at bay so that they can have this comfort and rest. Um, in this passage, there's also some um, language that talks about pinions, right? Those like big scary claws <laughs> that some birds have on their feet. And so it's this image of God as this mighty protector, right? Bringing you in close where we can get comfort and rest, but then keeping all of the bad, scary stuff away. So if you are a male mother hen, maybe you can think of yourself as more of a poppet eagle, right? Like keep the bad stuff away, bring out those pinions, man, right? And get someone underneath the wing to encourage them and comfort them. Jesus calls back to this a uh, picture in Matthew 23 where he's lamenting over Jerusalem and the people of Israel and how they've turned away from God's will. And he makes this statement, he says, how often would I have gathered your children? If you had just turned around and come to me, I would have gathered you up and kept you safe. So we keep seeing this over and over 
with God consistently. Um, an example of how I have been mother-henned recently um, is that I had a really terrible week. There's this kid's book, Alexander, and the really terrible, horrible, super awful, bad day. And that was my week, every single day, Monday through Friday. There was something else coming at me that just like weighed me down, beat me up. I was feeling emotionally just bruised and battered and fragile, and I had nothing left by Friday. Um, and I was kind of unloading my week to a friend and letting her know, hey, like, this is what's going on with me. And uh, she said, oh, okay, well, that's, that's really hard, Joe. Like, what are you going to do to kind of lift yourself back up and nourish, nourish yourself and get yourself back out there next week? And I said, uh-uh, I don't have what it takes on my own. I'm going to go see my mom. Yeah, I ran home to Mama. I took Melody and we went down to see her on Saturday and we just had a lovely time like hanging out at my parents' house and doing things that we love to do together. And Mom didn't even really talk to me that much about the things that were bothering me, but she did all of these little gestures to help soothe and comfort my spirit so that I could come back the next week and keep fighting the fight at work and make life happen. So think about, take a pause. When has someone mother-hend you? Could be a guy, could be a lady. When has someone taken you under the wing and offered you that comfort and protection? Maybe you were on the opposite side. Maybe you were the parent bird and there was someone that you were tucking under your wing, right? Keeping them safe and protected. Think about that experience and how right and fulfilling that was, right? This is something that God has programmed into us to do for one another. So if you can think of someone in your life recently who has mother-hand you, please thank them for showing you the unconditional love of God through their behavior. Next way that we see motherhood through God's actions is coaching, right? God coaches. And we see textual evidence in the Bible all over the place for God as a midwife, which is interesting because we don't always associate like male characters with midwifery. But there's all these pictures of God bringing forth life and being part of that process. And in the book of Psalms uh, 71, there's this author who talks about the experience of having God there throughout his birth and then also coaching him as he travels on through life. God is constantly there helping him through the hard times. We see also some specific examples of God coaching young parents. Um, the first example um, that's very meaningful to me is the story of Hagar. If you are not familiar with the story of Hagar, she is, was an enslaved person in the household of Abram and Sarai who eventually became the mother and father of like all of the people of Israel. And by definition, that makes them the super duper great, 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 great grandparents of Jesus. So these two people played an enormous role in the story and the family of God, very significant people. They also made some mistakes. And one of those mistakes was with this girl, Sarai. This girl, Hagar. Gotta not swap those, that gets confusing. Triangles, guys. So <laughs> Abram and Sarai are trying to conceive and have a baby, and they can't make it happen. 
and they're trying to find a solution. So they decide, oh, well, we've got this enslaved person over here who's of childbearing age. We're going to get Hagar pregnant, and then she is going to be the person who starts kind of our household and our family going. So they go through with this plan, and as you can imagine, once Hagar gets pregnant, that weird parental triangle gets very messy, right? There's lots of conflict, and Hagar and Sarai are at each other, and it's not a healthy relationship, and eventually Sarai becomes so abusive that Hagar runs away. She's got no prospects, no options, nowhere to go, but she can't take it anymore. She's out. And as she's running through the desert, the angel of the Lord comes to her, and he says, girl, I see you. I see what's going on with you. I know it's hard and it's not right. I hear what's been happening to you and I am with you. I have a plan for you. There's a plan for your baby and you have hope for a better future. So go back, have this baby, live your life and good things will come. So Hagar goes back. She gives birth to a son. His name is Ishmael, which means God hears me, right? God sees and hears us. And the whole motley crew in this triangle become a component of the story of how Christ came to save the world. So this story means a lot to me because I work in middle schools, right? So I've had these moments where young parents come to me and they're scared and they don't think there's a hope for their future. They think their life is over. It's done. They don't have options. And I invite us as a church to think about who are the parents in our community, male and female, who maybe are on the ropes and feel stuck and don't have hope and need someone to come along and coach them and let them know they're not alone and there are good things coming for them. Another example of God coaching parents through pregnancy is with the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So a little different than Hagar, maybe not quite so messy, but still very socially weird, right? This girl is not married, and she claims that the Holy Spirit has impregnated her miraculously. Even back in Bible times, that was pretty sketch. Like, nobody's, nobody's going for that. And uh, likely, right, Mary was in a precarious situation because depending on how the people in power in her life reacted, she could be, she could be in trouble. Again, angel of the Lord comes to see this mom and says, don't be afraid. There is a plan. I've got all this covered, right? There's a plan for you. There's a plan for your baby. Good things are going to come for you from this pregnancy. And then he adds a bonus. He connects her with community and says, hey, your cousin Elizabeth that no one ever thought could have a baby. And she's like way past her prime and people think it's very weird. She's She's gonna have one too. So you two, you should connect and have weird pregnancies together and support each other. And Mary takes his advice. She goes and she lives with her cousin Elizabeth for a while and the two of them support and encourage each other and build community. This is another place where I see Dallas Church shining. Um, Andrew and I are fairly new parents and we are in community with some other new parents in this church and you guys have just come around us in amazing ways, whether it's like babysitting or parenting advice or uh, t-shirts that are the next size bigger, uh, my kid just keeps growing, like she doesn't stop. And so like every two months I need a different size t-shirt and I hear that keeps going until she's 15. So please keep the clothes coming. We appreciate it. Um, even when 
there's times that we're just worn out and we feel stuck in whatever stage we're in. There's been some amazing people who have just sat with us and listened to what we're going through and acknowledge, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I wouldn't sleep like that either. Like, it's terrible and things are gonna get better, right? They're that coach motivating us, keeping us going forward. So keep it up, Dallas Church. Help those young parents through this stage of their lives. Last one for today, one of my favorites, is that God shows motherhood by adopting. And this is one of those characteristics of God that I see over and over again so much in scripture. So it must be one of the biggest things for the heart of God that we adopt. If we look way back at the beginning when Israel was just getting started as a nation in the book of Deuteronomy, Um, There's this phrase used to describe God. It says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. So from the very beginning, God tells his people, this is who I am, and this is who I expect you to be. Take the people on the fringe and we invite them in to be part of our core family. Um, And this is present all the way through, even to Jesus. Just last week, Ben was talking about Matthew chapter 12, and there's a moment in verses 46 through 50 where Jesus's mother and brothers come to visit him while he is preaching. People say, hey, your mom and your brothers are here. It's going to be great. And he makes this weird statement, right? He goes, who are my mother and my brothers? And as Westerners, we go, oh, his mom's not going to be happy about that. You don't forget who your mom is. And instead, the way to interpret this, Ben says, is as like Jesus throwing open his arms and saying, everybody is in my family. Anybody who follows this way is part of my tribe. So God continuously promotes adopting people into the family. A couple of other quick references, even in John chapter 19, as Jesus was dying, he's on the cross, his mother and his disciple John were there watching and mourning, and Jesus connects them. He says, hey, you're both going through something heavy. You need a mother, you need a son. You two connect and form community together. And even after the resurrection, as the Apostle Paul is this itinerant preacher traveling all over the known world preaching the gospel, he references people who care for him. There's this woman he calls out in Romans called Rufus's mother. We don't know her name. We don't really know much about her other than she had a son named Rufus. And that when Paul traveled to her church, she acted as a mom to him. And she welcomed him into that church community and that family. So this is something that is heavy on the heart of God that we are to reflect back into our community. Andrew and I got to experience this in a huge way when we went to learn and serve at a church in Arizona. Part of Andrew's grad program was working at this church and then living with a host family in the church community while we were there. And this family just like threw open the doors and brought us in and it was as if we were blood relatives for that entire year. We got to do Christmas and Easter and birthdays and game nights. We babysat the grandkids. We took them out to movies and shared some of our favorite things and they shared their favorite things. It was as if we were saps for like a whole year. That's their last name, by the way. They're not saps, but like (laughs) we were part of the family and it was this huge blessing to us. And I encourage our church to think about ways that we are adopting into our community. 
maybe it's a big ask for your household to go find two starving college students and invite them into your basement for a year. Like, I understand that's a heavy lift, right? But what are some smaller ways that we can start inviting people in? Maybe it's an invitation to a lunch or dinner. Maybe we invite someone over to watch the game or have game night so that they have this inside into our community. If it's someone where you're, maybe you're not like quite there with them yet, that's okay. Maybe just reach out and say, hey, I'm thinking about you, I care about you. I hope you're doing okay, right? These little gestures that we give to our blood relatives all the time, let's extend those to our community and adopt people into our church. Well, thank you for hanging with me through my dissertation, church. (laughs) I'm gonna wrap this up. Um, In conclusion, we are made in the image of God, both men and women in pairs reflecting. And therefore, we're called to reflect God's unconditional love to others. God models unconditional love through motherhood. The four ways we talked about today were through nourishing, comforting, coaching, and adopting. And here's the challenge, church. If being mom is reflecting God to those around us, that means this week, everybody's job is to be mom. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your unconditional love and for all the ways that you share it with us. Uh, Help us to to extend that love to others this week, whether it is through nourishing, coaching, um, comforting, or adopting. And help us to see the needs of those around us and to work to fill those needs. In your name we pray. Amen.